Welcome to the Clipping Chains podcast from ClippingChains.com, where we are funding the adventurous life. This is your host, Chad Andrews, and hi, how are you? Hey, it's been a while. I'm so glad we can all hang out again. I've been traveling. I've been all over the place. I drove 6,000 miles. I totally wrecked my back sitting in the car so much. Went from Southern Utah to Kentucky to North Carolina to South Carolina and back all over again. And you know what? It was pretty hard to do a podcast on the road. I quit trying. I've done it in the past. I get all stressed out. I don't have a really a place to record. I'm trying to find a closet in my in-laws house. You know, yeah, you know. Yeah, so today on episode 48, I'll be reading a written post that I published on the blog a few weeks ago. When traveling in general, it's easier for me to write. I feel more in a writing kind of state of mind, a little more introspective. I'm out of my routine. I'm kind of thinking about life. I had some requests to get these in audio format, so here we are. Expect a couple more of these in the coming weeks. And a lot of these things are ideas or concepts that I'm using on in my own personal life. I don't claim to come as some sort of expert. I get interested in this. I dive a little deeper. And this is what I talk about. Even in this post is one of the real gifts of financial independence. It's not the ability to sit around and do nothing or watch TV or lay on the beach or just climb all the time. It's having the time for introspection. It's having that time to, um, yeah, take a broader look at your life that you don't get to do when you're so busy with work and all of other life's obligations. So like I said, this is a written post from a few weeks ago. If you want to read the actual post, follow that link in your show notes and you will find the original written post there. A little bit of administrative task um, over at buying me a coffee. I had a contributor, Maggie. Thank you so much from a few weeks ago. And as usual, I want to remind you that if you're enjoying this show, you can help support this platform at buymeacoffee.com. You can pay as little as a dollar a month or a one-time donation of $5 to help keep the lights on around here. I'm doing this all by myself. So link in your show notes if you want to help out. I really, really appreciate it. One more note, I've got another Q&A episode coming up. I solicit those questions from email subscribers. As much as I'd want to help answer questions from anyone, it just gets to be a little bit much. So I have limited that to email subscribers. So if you are interested in getting a question asked, start there, go subscribe. I generally send out a weekly newsletter. You get a lot of other stuff. It's kind of cool. You get some information you do not get on this podcast. So it is not just a notification of new posts. All right, that's enough words from me. Let's get into this one. With the anticipation of the thing is greater than the thing. The anticipation of the thing is greater than the thing. We are prone to believing that outcomes will have stronger emotional impacts on us than they often do. This state of expectation or impact bias highlights why anticipation of an event is a much more palpable emotion than the event itself. The impact bias can lead to behaviors that make us less content despite our best efforts for happiness. It's true. So let's learn more about how to recognize this bias and make better decisions for our future. The Climbing Project Dilemma and the Impact Bias Let's say a driven sport climber chooses a difficult project for the season. 
She puts in days of effort on the objective and soon becomes emotionally involved. Her friends and other climbers have witnessed her efforts and are now fully aware of her commitment. This social awareness heightens the relative importance of the objective. Once the moves and sequences are dialed, red point efforts begin. She is now beyond the heady early days of exploration and rapid progress. She is now in a perceived phase of black and white success or failure. Each time she ties in, she either does it or she doesn't. Progress can still occur, but ultimately may be seen as less important if the expectation is a less nuanced outcome. As Paige Clausen noted in our podcast discussion, the phase of knowing something is possible is generally the positive emotional peak of the experience. We've broken through a phase of uncertainty and the anticipation of eventual success is high. At this point, she might begin to imagine the grandeur of success. Western cultures in particular hold discrete achievements in very high regard. She might visualize the elation of clipping the chains or the euphoria of sweaty hugs back at the base of the route. Dave McLeod imagined himself rewarding his success with a raspberry cheesecake. Mm. Success takes a different form. When success eventually comes, one of two reactions generally occur, sometimes both. Number one, the emotional response is subdued. We might experience a sense of relief more than elation. Number two, feelings of euphoria are short-lived. The feeling of success we imagine might last for weeks is gone within days or even hours. This process is known as the impact bias, first discussed in detail by Wilson and Gilbert in a 2005 paper. In short, the impact bias causes us to overestimate the magnitude and duration of an emotional reaction to a future event. The early retirement impact bias. These same concepts can be applied to early and traditional retirement. Effective Forecasting and the Impact Bias In a 2011 paper, author Dr. Melissa Knoll notes that those who are tired of work or dissatisfied at work believe that retirement, or simply quitting a job, will make them happier. This belief, however, may represent a flaw in the way we process our future feelings, otherwise known as effective forecasting. The process of effective forecasting suggests that people underestimate or overestimate how an event will influence their future feelings. For instance, if I eat an entire bucket of fried chicken in the parking lot of a grocery store, I will buy fewer groceries than I shopped on an empty stomach. It's true. By buying fewer groceries, I'm potentially buying less food than I might need for the rest of the week. Because I'm full of chicken now, I'm failing to appreciate that I will once again be hungry in the future and again in need of chicken. We recall the best and worst experiences. We tend to recall the best and worst aspects of an experience and also tend to minimize the more average or mundane parts of those same experiences. We've all heard the phrase rose-colored glasses, which highlights the fact that we view past events more favorably than they actually were. For example, we might say silly things like, high school was awesome. Additionally, Bad memories are forever seared in our psyche. This explains why we can recall with great clarity where we were for major tragedies, such as 9-11 or even Johnny Depp's divorce. When looking back at our experience at work, it's easy then to imagine how we can project the future experience of work 
based on our strongly positive or negative experiences at work. The strong negativity bias, however, means we are far more likely to view future work in a negative context. As such, we place a great sense of importance and anticipation on the idea of not working in hopes of alleviating the perceived pain of these negative experiences. Furthermore, we fail to consider the potential downsides, such as reduced social connections, lack of purpose, potential boredom, etc., of life outside the workplace. Building hope. Bloggers have grown considerable status and perhaps even income on the idea that early retirement is the desired end goal of financial independence. Conversely, I've yet to come across a truly content early retiree living a life of leisure. Most have returned to something resembling a job or are attempting to do so. There is even an essence of religiosity. The concept of early retirement provides hope for those that find themselves miserable in a job that is misaligned with their values or inherent skill sets. And as with any devotion, effective forecasting errors prevent us from fully analyzing critical nuance. We settle instead for simplified and easily digestible narratives to enhance our pleasure or reduce our pain. We certainly can understand that those experiencing a crisis of hope, even mildly, are more likely to gravitate toward thought leaders who offer a promise of something better in the future. A bad job or dead-end career can indeed be a crisis of hope. I get it. It's not the worst problem in the world. But try telling that to someone who dreads Monday through Friday and worries about the next week on Saturday and Sunday. Just because there are worse problems doesn't make someone feel better about their problems. As we discussed recently, the broad and faithful acceptance of the 4% rule is one of these areas where considerable nuance exists. However, many of the most ardent supporters simply shrug off any sort of detail-oriented discussion as unimportant or worse yet, pessimistic. The good news. I'd argue that the good news is that we're trying too hard. Contentment has perhaps always been there. We just didn't know it. I certainly didn't. In 2017, I loathed my job and wrapped my entire existence into my performance as a rock climber. I wasn't getting much or any sense of satisfaction or purpose from my career, so I subconsciously looked for it elsewhere. Like a child in a theme park, I rode a high-amplitude roller coaster of emotions based on my performance, elated when I performed well, and completely dejected and worthless when I did not. Meanwhile, I pursued financial independence with a kind of religious fervor. I became convinced that early retirement would finally free me from the restraints of my otherwise, I mean, kind of cush corporate career and allow me to pursue what I thought was my real passion, rock climbing. I was a classic victim of the impact bias. How I fell victim to impact bias. Number one, I thought leaving my corporate career would be better than it was. After about two months, the high of the achievement wore off and reality set in. Positive aspects of my career that I hadn't appreciated, including the social reps with colleagues and the recognition and affirmation for a job well done, became noticeably absent as time went on. Due to effective forecasting errors, I failed to properly consider these less memorable parts of my work experience. Number two, rock climbing carried less meaning in my life. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Rock climbing is still a major passion in my life. But with more time to devote to it, I found it less meaningful. Without the contrast of the stressful job, climbing was no longer the escape it once had been. With time, it became clear that my achievements or failures caused only short-lived and low-amplitude blips on an otherwise perfectly acceptable emotional equilibrium. I no longer felt a strong desire to appease myself with more. More sins, higher grades, more days out, etc. I simply imagined climbing would be a more important part of my life than it has become. The best gift of financial independence has not been early retirement. Not for me. The best gift has been the opportunity to learn about my motivations. I have started to peel back the onion layers on the depths of my need for achievement. That's true. This occurs at all scales, from the micro, checking and quickly responding to emails or knocking down chores, to the macro, producing major work projects or sending very hard, for me, rock climbs. Would I do it any differently? No, I wouldn't. Not at all. I have simply learned that the power of the impact bias means a future experience will probably be different than I envision it today. How do we address impact bias in our life planning? Our beliefs, values, habits, and biases are often rooted subconsciously in our minds. As such, any conscious awareness of subconscious tendencies is worth its weight in gold. To assess whether a pursuit is worthy, I've been attempting to question my motivations. If it's the grandeur of the achievement I seek, praise, recognition, status, I try to remind myself that any emotional high or low will likely be both lower in intensity and duration than what we expect. That said, an honest self-assessment is difficult. Why is that? Well, we are extremely talented at rationalizing our choices and behaviors. This is both good and bad. The good news is that failure may be easier to shrug off than we anticipate. The downside, however, is that rationalization may keep us perpetually in search of new achievements without our conscious awareness. We are master self-manipulators, highly skilled at convincing ourselves that our motivations are anything but meant to protect our fragile, wild child egos. If we can slowly become more aware of the drivers behind our need for achievement, we can better assess whether we should bother with a given pursuit in the first place. Finding lasting contentment by recognizing the impact bias. When Dave McLeod sent his project, he no longer desired the raspberry cheesecake. Does that mean he should have never pursued the project in the first place? Not at all. He simply imagined a higher degree of euphoria when considering future success. That's the impact bias, guys. Those who find lasting contentment are the rare individuals who can pursue challenges for the sake of the challenge alone and not the achievement. These individuals don't build up the idea of future satisfaction at the achievement. They are motivated by the present challenge, here and now. Many of us will convince ourselves that we also simply pursue the challenge. We may, however, be rationalizing our pursuit of the achievement instead. I certainly do. Just like a weightlifter, anyone pursuing growth in a craft or looking for a better life must provide novel and difficult stimulus to overcome. The idea is not to abandon achievements. We need them. Instead, recognize that the impact bias will convince us that future achievements will be more important to us emotionally than they actually will be. If we can learn to recognize this bias, 
we can settle for better pursuits and better problems. I want to remind you or let you know for the first time that I write a weekly newsletter that has really become popular in recent months. I put a lot of things in there that aren't deserving of their own post online, such as books I'm reading, various articles as it relates to personal finance or life, sometimes some music, sometimes not, a little bit of everything that keeps you on your toes. It is not just a notification of new posts. You don't need that. I want to add some flavor, and so you can get that there each week. Head on over, put in your email over at clippingchains.com. It is free. You can unsubscribe at any time. All right, guys, I hope you have a fantastic week. See you next time.